Hello, Nick. Hello, Tom. How are we? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And everybody else listening, welcome to another episode of Divine Today. And today we are talking about the successes and failures of our client projects that we've done. And hopefully we can um, tell some funny stories and maybe shed a bit of light and give you some learnings that we've made in retrospect. Um, so you don't fall into the same pitfalls. Although I feel like you will, do you know what I mean? You can learn these lessons, but you'll probably, you'll probably go through them yourself. Yeah, probably make the same mistake again, just in a different way. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, <laughs> half the time when I was like, what's the learning of this fail? I was like, oh yeah, like I was told that a million times, but it still happened. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, I guess the, yeah, the reframing is like, oh, there are no failures, they're all learning opportunities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I guess another interesting idea is like what is success in, in these projects, you know? I guess there's some kind of factors. It's like um, doing something that aligns, like executing on a project that aligns with your values or like bringing in a, an amount of money that yep. feels right. You know, it could be... It could be a whole range of things. Yeah, for sure. And even some of the big failures that I've had and written down here have then led to go on to like, you know, better the business or better the next project or whatever in ways that is so valuable that it was great that that failure happened. So, yeah, you know, I mean, some suck, but some are good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting thinking about like straight after some pretty hairy projects, mm-hmm. then, then quoting on other new opportunities with clients they're like who hurt you yeah, like, so. yeah, <laughs> why, scars. yeah why are you so staunch about this it's like i want to pay you money for your services and you're like get fucked please <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. cool so do you want to do you want to talk about any kind of projects in particular or yeah i I'll, guess tell yeah. any stories about yeah let's do that um so this was a really quick one, which um, which I think could be helpful. So, remember we were bidding on a job. Um, I'd spoken to the client a bunch of times. We actually were um, we sort of yeah had a really nice bond and sort of were pretty aligned. And it was actually to do with um, a uh, sort of like a environmental um, sustainable living kind of project. And so I was really excited with that. We we're you know having good chats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we. Um, you know, discussed sort of everything I thought we needed to, including budget, timelines, services, like kind of everything. And mm. um, and they, they had a logo. Um, and I guess I set up sort of like a very loosely. Um, and certainly, mm. I'd, you know, you'd probably vomit if you saw it. But they had that. Um, and th- that was kind of it, I think. So, um, and, and certainly the logo wasn't part of any like, you know, bigger sort of, um, you know, branding or anything like that. It was just kind of like, hey, let's just make something in PowerPoint with Word Up because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, anyway, so we got to the point where I'd like made a full proposal and um, got some other people involved as well, which was really cool. Um, um, actually, I think you and uh, Codes might have been involved in the quoting of this. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounded bloody sounds familiar, this one. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I sent the proposal through and they were like, oh, like, and so, we, you know, part of the proposal was including, like, you know, rebrand and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, oh, like, what's what's all this in here for the rebrand and whatever? And I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll use what you have existing, but, like, we need to rework it and blah, blah, blah. And 
and whatever. And it was just really strange because I was like, okay, well, is, is the budget okay? Or like, are the services we're providing, or like, is the end result okay with what you want? They're like, that's all fine. They're like, we don't want to like waste time or money basically on like redoing things we've already done. And so yeah. it's just like, I just couldn't communicate effectively with them to try and like get them to understand, you know, without saying this logo is really shit and like we can't use it basically at all or we can't use whatever thinking you've done before. Like we need to start from scratch basically. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I just, I just didn't end up getting that over the line. And I think part of that certainly was like our communication with the client, but I think also as well, it sort of indicated that the client had like a different, like was placing different value on different things that, that we weren't. And I think that was going to, or, you know, looking back now, it was probably good that that happened then because were we to get through, you know, further into the project, I would imagine that there would be other circumstances where that was going to happen um, and we weren't aligned properly or they didn't understand and we couldn't communicate effectively with them. Um, mm. And, yeah, but that was just a bit of a shame because everything else felt so good and, and that was a, a stumbling block that we've never really had before. Mm. Can you, can yeah, you think of what we could have done better, do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting challenge. I mean, I think there are definitely many projects that aren't meant to happen. Mm. You know, I think like it doesn't make sense for, I don't know, people to be brought in as branding specialists for a branding project if the client doesn't believe in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, or value it. Um, and sometimes it doesn't doesn't have to be, like they still need to experience what, you know, a branding process is mm-hmm. um, but if there's no value placed on design from the outset then it might not be a project that is meant to happen yeah um, and you'll keep running into that problem like over and over again throughout the project for sure yeah and I guess it's like how do you identify that that's the case with the clients mm. it's not easy I mean it's, sometimes you just get a gut feeling from the conversations that you're having like yeah. there might just be some, some red flags that pop up um, which might relate to talking about like how quickly any form of design can be done or how um, I don't know it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a quick job or it's, it's going to be really easy yeah. you know yeah. I think that's always a problem that's faced with design is that you know people always see this simple beautiful cohesive thing um and like the final result Um, and especially simplicity like it's so hard to make simplicity and to make things obvious and make things easier to understand and people see that and don't sort of understand the the work that's really gone behind that Mm. and the process yeah it just it's really hard (laughs) to do (laughs) simple simple design yeah because yeah. it's it's just yeah to be able to take away everything but what needs to be there it's um yeah it's a real it's a real skill um but yeah I guess that's how how could it have been avoided I guess it was avoided in the in the best way possible mm. or like not the best way but we didn't work together because we weren't on the same page with the approach yeah um, and it is kind of that proposal phase where you kind of either lock in and work together or you don't yeah, um, yeah that's true so maybe yeah who knows maybe it, it just uh, could have come from an earlier conversation but I'm not really sure how um, you'd be able to mitigate that mm. 
I always struggle personally as well, being like, yo, that logo is shit. We can't use that. I refuse to use that. It's a, that's a tough conversation to have and one that I've not been very good at. Yeah, well, I think it's also like, it's not always the stance that can be taken, you know? Mm. I think... Um, and like, this, it's their baby sometimes, do you know what I mean? And like, and, and like no doubt the logo served them well in the past, but... Yeah, it's, to be honest, I think that's like not a great move to make um, as a first one when talking with a client about a branding project because chances are they did it themselves or they were very involved in the process of creating it. Mm-hmm. So I'll kind of put feelers out and ask questions about the current state of branding and ask if they're happy with it or that they feel like it um, represents where they've gotten to, you know, and, and try and get get um, some kind of feeling about the current branding from those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but like this client that I've been working with for almost two years now, it's only this week that um, we're changing the branding. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I've I've been, you know, suffering for all of these two years looking at um, typefaces that I just... I just like I could I just knew the whole time that the whole brand experience would be better with some premium type but um, yeah there's a time and a place for those conversations and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's better to just get involved in the process if you believe in what they're doing and um, yeah make those improvements as you go it's just it's just a it's not as easy yeah yeah. But it's not impossible. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah. Um, Do you have a, a success or a failure? Yeah, well, I've kind of just started to think about what, what measures of success are and I guess what measures of um, failure mm-hmm. are. Um, so I think that the measures of um, failure would be not being aligned with the client, you know, so getting to a, a presentation round or, you know, talking about some creative idea and realizing that we're in completely different realms. Yeah. Yeah. And this would happen a lot when I was beginning. Mm -hmm. The first few years design was just guesswork, hoping that, um, I'd, I'd, I'd be nailing the, kind of arbitrary brief yeah yeah um so i think projects being blown out of scope you know is definitely a i I mean yeah not a failure but it's it's characteristic of a shit project Yeah, yeah um so by that i mean you know doing far beyond what was initially agreed upon or and, and really, this is why it happens. I think the project was set up really loosely. Yeah. The, the kind of language that was used um, when creating the kind of project was so loose that it's impossible for there to be a hard end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like to begin with, I think I just belong, I was, I was, I belonged to some, some clients that I worked for <laughs> forever. <laughs> Part of, part of your soul will always live on in them. 
Yeah, I'm still on some <laughs> loose contract where I'm their property. Yeah. Um, Have but you yeah, it's that you've been able to sort of avoid those things these days? Oh, just, you know, by being traumatised <laughs> and wanting to prevent the same trauma from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, by that I mean through living through it and being like, oh, this sucks, you know. Um, next time I'm going to say there's two revision rounds max and define what a revision round is. Yeah. And then detail also what costs will be incurred if we go outside of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, so it can find its way into, like, contracts, but again, like, contracts, whatever, it's more about just being clear on what the expectations are at the start. Because um, I think that's another thing. It's like, sometimes I just have to boil it down to, like, hey, you know that this is going to take, like, minimum 50 hours? Um, like, do, do, do you want to go through this process? Mm-hmm. Um, and But I guess the cost is also the way of just really weeding out um, clients that aren't the right fit at any yeah, point in yeah. time. Um, yeah, but it's interesting how, like, yeah, all, all the difficult projects can be, like, distilled into, like, the first 30 seconds um, of conversation with a new prospect, like, with a new client, if that makes sense. You mean you can sort of like, try and weed those out or, like, set... Or, like, yeah, figure that out in, in that first combo. Well, yeah, or it's like all of the learnings can can be put into place and communicated and cleared within, like, yeah, that very initial part of a conversation with a new potential client. You know, you can just say, like, talk about time frame, costs, process, all, like, in very general terms and have a sense super quickly if there's... If any of those, you know, previous traumas are like feeling like they might repeat, yeah. or whether you know it's the, the the way is clear for like a successful project. Yeah, and I think um, for me, it's been really like you said before, like the, the red flags are important, but there's I think it's the gut feel that's probably actually the most powerful one, and. Mm. And, like, that sucks for people to hear. Like, I'm sure there's people listening that are like, well, that's not helpful in any fucking way because, you know, I can't develop that. But I think it just comes back to obviously just, like, doing it more and more. But, like, yeah, it really is that gut feeling and and, and learning to trust that more and more the more projects you do. It's, mm. yeah, it's weird, but I sort of feel like that's kind of true, unfortunately. Yeah, it is in- intuition. Mm. Um, though... I feel like something that doesn't help improve projects or overcome these challenging, uh, like these types of challenges is, um, I guess, talking shit about the client to other designers or to other freelancers. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely, you know, done it a lot when I was starting as well but um, I, I think that's the other thing is just like getting better at communicating um, it's, 
it's you know it's like with a lot of conflict it's so, always better to go to the person that it relates to than to just get pissed off about it elsewhere so you know if something goes wrong with a project or you, you can pick up that they're unhappy just understanding why can be really helpful yeah definitely and I think a lot of that comes down to like the framing right like if they're being a quote-unquote shit client like what have you done in the project that's led to this or what could you have done better to prevent this because you know as a way like you're in these projects you know you're a guide through the project you're the one that's meant to be sort of maybe not holding your hand per se but you know you're meant to be sort of making sure that we end up with a positive outcome and obviously it takes two to tango to some degree but um you know uh, it's definitely like a lot of that um is dependent on you and so i think instead of framing wow there's such a shit client maybe it's framed as oh this has been a bad experience for both of us how could i have made this project better you know what i mean yeah for sure i think it's it's better to look inward and be like um this was a shit experience because i i you know set it up poorly yeah you know it's like the it comes down to project management oftentimes for sure um and just yeah setting up shitty conditions for a project so it's it's bound to be be pretty challenging yeah and i I think a lot of it as well is especially when you're starting out is like having those tough conversations at the start around like pricing and expectations and and that kind of thing which you know they're always the classic ones that are hard to do in their uncomfortable conversations sometimes especially when you're starting um, oh yeah I'd hate talking I'd hate those conversations yeah um, but yeah I, th- I think that's where like just sitting down and writing out some numbers you know thinking about you know different types of prices like hourly rates day rates project rates just have some numbers around and figure out some ranges doesn't matter what they are yeah um, but I think having those numbers like kind of ready to go makes those conversations super easy or much easier than like trying to scope and quote something on the spot particularly like at the start you know I'm trying to remember who said it but I definitely heard you know designers are the best negotiators for their clients they just like start discounting live you know so I'm going to be 10k no 8k $500 it's like what are you what are you and doing here's my soul <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I guess the big the biggest challenges I reckon with projects are like yeah when when the goalposts are changing mm-hmm. you know like agreeing to a set of project terms and then during the project things start moving around you know um and but the like initial fee is what a client comes back to yeah like no no this is what i agreed upon it's like yeah but like we agreed that i was going to you know build an an apartment and now you're asking me to build a, a 20 room you know building yeah um but again, I think that's just about being firm and like, and it comes down to self-belief as well. 
you find um, that happens? Across, do you find that happens more when you've sort of got really specific terms or specific um, scope, etc., and then you sort of don't pick up on the changes later, or do you think it happens more when you don't have a scope there, um, but you're willing to have conversations earlier? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just thinking of a couple of branding projects where, you know, in one instance, you know, the goalposts were changing um, and the client was really reasonable about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, look, these unexpected factors have come into play. Um, how do you think we can get this back on track? And I was like, look, you know, I think in order for us to all get aligned again, we need to add a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a, a mini phase because um, basically it was just a very big team of people making decisions and right. we realised that a particular segment um, weren't on board with anything so we had to kind of go through a mini yeah, okay. design phase to bring bring that everyone in, in line with each other um, but that was that was possible because the client was reasonable yeah about it, um, which would have come from them being through an experience before, yeah, yeah. I think, where you know a rescoping was needed. Um, but you know, on the other side of that, I've had kind of projects change entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be designing one kind of design asset for print, and then it changes to a completely different format, yeah, yeah. and. Yet the um, scope wouldn't change. Yeah. Um, so I think there is there is an element of like some people are more reasonable than others. <laughs> like like let's not give ourselves too much shit about you know being poor project managers or whatever. Like sometimes people just can be really unreasonable. Yeah, for sure. And um, and a lesson learned there can just be look, I'm not going to work with them again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think particular dynamics can come from working with intermediaries. Yeah. Um, and that can often lead to project failures, I think, particularly in the branding space. Right. Um, by that I mean, you know, a third party will be the interface between you and the client, so they'll be effectively pitching creative ideas on your behalf, yeah, yeah. and then taking what the client's saying and all their feedback, and then communicating that back to you. Translating it. And what happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what happens is everything gets diluted. Yeah, yeah. The, inter- the this intermediary ends up becoming creative director, though. You know, the, the visual design side of things isn't their expertise. Yeah. It's often marketing or public relations and they're always really bloody good at it at, at their thing you know um, but it just pops up quite a bit where yeah that situation happens um, and I think that's where a lot of misalignment has happened for me yeah yeah that's that's a good point that's happened to us a lot before and I think that happens I mean because we're primarily programming I think that happens a lot because there's that stigma there of like you know programmers can't talk to clients because they live in a basement and you know 
don't have any social skills. Right. Um, and which is a shame because, um, you know, only the programmers really know the, sort of the core guts of things and how they're going to work and what implications they're going to have and what costs they're going to have and timelines and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. you know, if you don't, if you're working with a client that, um, you know, who, <clears throat> who's servicing their client, um, we've always preferred to be like, hey, like, you know, we can go through you, but what we'd prefer to do is go th- directly to the client and, you know, we'll white label as you, but, you know, let's work, you know, directly with the client because that's usually the best way. Um, and, yeah, we've had some really good success with that sort of, you know, seamless fitting in with another team um, cool. to service clients like that. Um, and it also means that, you know, everybody can sort of do what they're best, best at. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the people, yeah. in your direct client, their team can do what they're best at. We can interface with the client when we need to. We can support each other where we need to and sort of like come into conversations seamlessly and it's just sort of well if you've got a good team and, and whatnot it, it can work really well and that's actually that was one of our favorite clients we had um was a large sort of full services agency doing all sorts of interesting stuff they had all sorts of different arms but for whatever reason they didn't have a dev arm um and so we ended up sort of being pulled under that wing um yeah and just kind of white labeled ourselves as like the dev arm of you know whatever projects were going on um and that was actually one of our favorite clients because yeah they just they worked really well they knew what they had to do and we knew what we needed to do and you know what our responsibilities were and just sort of flowed really well we had some really good outcomes from that stuff yeah that's cool it's um it's interesting how once you you're given a seat at the table or you know a communication line things can go smoothly yeah um, yeah Oh, but it's interesting, yeah, when you were telling that story about, you know, them being happy to kind of introduce you to the client, mm-hmm. you you white labeling yourselves, like thinking about why um, sometimes this doesn't happen or why agencies will want to keep you from the client. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's as simple as like the commission that's being added to your fees is fucking massive. Yep, for sure. <laughs> um, and that's that's cool like yeah, yeah whatever it's um coming from their relationships totally um yeah like sometimes but, like I yeah. don't want to see the final value that they're putting in their proposals to the client do you know what I mean I'm like I just don't want to see that big number because it's not as big as the one I've sent you <laughs> do you know what I mean because it makes makes me owie <laughs> yeah totally but at the same time it's like oh I don't have to I don't have to manage the relationship 100%. so yeah that's that's worth a lot of money to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think also like there there can be it can come from insecurity, you know, or yep. like wanting to appear like full service. Yeah. And being insecure about you know seeming smaller to a client. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like just not doing it internally in house for whatever reason. I think you know, so, you know, some clients will react poorly to that though. Um, and I think it's just yeah, it's, it's not without it's not without reason. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and we found that like as soon as we let the client know that, and then continue on in the conversation as if it's just the normal way we do things, and it's really good then the client sort of just forgets about it completely and is like, oh, that's the way things are done. Awesome, let's continue. And like, it's, it makes sense that like, hey, we're bringing in like a branding specialist for this part because that's mm. what they do. Do you know what I mean? And we've, I don't think we've ever had a client say like, oh, 
let's not do it that way or we only want to work with people that you know are actually employed by you kind of thing um yeah as long as the relationships managed well then i think it can be okay yeah but i guess there is like a, a level of dilution that would start to make a client feel uneasy mm-hmm. um you know just always wheeling out someone new yeah yeah um that's you know got their own company um so yeah I, I guess it, I can understand why it happens um it can be for the purpose of just simplifying the experience for the customer you know yeah totally yeah you're right and I think probably like bigger companies and corporations are less likely to do that kind of thing yeah but then like these huge government projects you yeah. know there's so many tiers of um people working on it yeah there's like the the mega one the big big one underneath and it keeps going further and further underneath you know and then there's like a massive agency a little agency and then on that project i'm I'm a contractor you know it's like there's this whole tree you know it goes on forever i like shudder to think what percent like is actually like the commission on the previous person's work as opposed to adding value you know what I mean like it must be fucking yeah high. yeah because I guess that's the thing about those government projects is it's so like word of mouth or like being you know on the board of people that are even approached to do those projects and you know so it's they're hard to get but they're so lucrative because there's just so many you know cut offs at every stage yeah so many zeros in the budget. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one of the things about around scope creep or, you know, changes in scope or expectations, etc. I think, yeah. again, like we're talking about, it comes down to communication again, right? Where, like, I think we've always tried to say as early as possible, like, hey, this is feeling like it's changing the scope a little bit. Like, we'll incorporate this now, that's fine. But, like, be aware that this is approaching somewhere where it's going to cost more or it's going to change things and mm. I think trying to have that conversation as early as possible when there's like the tiniest infringement really sort of like changes the mindset a little bit of the client thinking oh actually okay they are going to adhere to the scope we need to as well let's make sure that we're continuing to be aligned on that um, yeah. and then obviously then it just prepares them for you know three weeks later when they do change the scope for a price to come to them as well but yeah definitely the earlier that communication happens I've found is, is always the better yeah and you know some clients are on the front foot I've mm-hmm. had this recently they're like so sorry that this is stretched out like please let us know how much extra it's going to be God, I love that. for these these revisions um, so, so that's nice you know and making new agreements as you work through mm-hmm. but then it's also it's like oh hold on this is one of those many zero projects and I'm yeah. under quite a big time <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah have some free money for hanging around because like pretty much yeah. <laughs> I was I was joking to Cody I was like I just I just got paid for an invoice but then there was no communication <laughs> from from them for like a month right. <laughs> and he's like yeah they're just they're just keeping you interested <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
how to, how to learn from project failures. Mm. Would you say that there's the biggest impact on your business have you found being successful projects or ones that have failed, whatever reason? I mean, obviously, success is nice because it brings money in the door and you can eat food and not just, you know, eat pasta. But Yeah, I think it's got to be a blend, to be honest, because if it's only failures, then it can get pretty disheartening. Yeah. You know? And I think there was one time where there was just a string of projects turning to shit. Right. And I got to a point where I was like, do I even want to do this? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, there's got to be more than this you know Um, so I think it's a blend I I think yeah the ones that have gone poorly have definitely um, made me a lot firmer a lot surer more confident but yeah probably a bit more hardened as well um but, you know, having successes and seeing things kind of happening. So, you know, implementing a new skill that's been learnt, you know, that's like, that's really motivating mm-hmm. to, to, um, to continue and to grow the business. Um, bringing in other, like bringing in friends to work on projects, you know, and managing, managing them in a, you know, in a way that's kind of, I'm so conscious of, you know, all the shitty experiences I've had when I've been managed sure. that I try and, try and make it the best experience possible, you know, for people that I collaborate with. Yeah. Um, but what about for you, do you? Yeah, I think, I think definitely you're right. Um, and I wonder if it's maybe something like the... A lot of the hard work and the learning comes from the failures. And when we've had successes generally that's been so easy that the payoff at the end is like wow that was like so easy and such a fun project that it didn't feel too hard necessarily maybe and so maybe it's a good frame to think like all that really hard shit and the failures and the learnings and the whatever the payoff is doing an easy successful project that makes good money and you know with a good client um yeah but yeah you're right definitely a mix yeah. Unless you're just a gun and you just have successful projects forever, no matter what. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm happy for you, but you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> nice fantasy world. Mm. Well, what do you reckon? Yeah. That's probably en- enough for our listeners. I think that's enough for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, and then until next time.